0: Welcome to the Lex City Church podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Lex City, please visit LexCity.Church. Here we go again. Another Sunday, another sermon. You know, no matter how many times I do this, I, I never feel ready enough. I never feel like I have the material down. I never feel adequate You would think after 32 years of teaching and preaching that I'd be so confident that this would be old hat. But every time, every Sunday, I get nervous. And my insecurities seem to rise to the surface. And Lord, today I'm tired. 35 and a half hours of traveling back from India. I'm fearful I'm not going to be mentally sharp like I need to be. And this sermon, it's so important. God's word tells us that he can transform our thinking and that will change everything, so I just hope I can communicate it clearly today. Well, all right, Claussen, take a deep breath, smile, you got this, and please, just don't say anything stupid. <laughs> <laughs> can anybody relate to that, the, the battle in the struggle of the mind in the things that go on? This is the struggle every Sunday for me, right? You'll do the work all week, and you're ready. And then the lights come on, and there's nowhere to hide, right? I I don't even have the big old wooden Baptist pulpit that I grew up that I could hide behind, right? It's literally just you and me, and we're out here, and there's a degree of vulnerability with that. And in those moments when the light comes on, the battle begins in the mind. Can you relate to that? We want to have our mind and our thoughts be focused on things like faith, but fear seems to be the thing that's yelling in our ears over and over. In this series, we've been talking about ways that we wanna become better, and yet bitterness raises its ugly head over and over in our lives. We wanna dwell on this idea of healing, but hurting seems to capture our every thoughts. I mean, this is the battle, right? The things that go on in our head. We should know what the Bible tells us. This is the case. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7 says it this way. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. For where the battle is. It's defined. So as we finish out this series, I, I want to spend some time thinking about what we think about when we deal with this issue of hurt. So if you've got your Bibles, if you would, turn to me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. If you've got your phones, you can fire them up. Go to lexcity.info. All the sermon notes are there. I'm going to mention a couple resources. And uh, those resources, again, you'll find there at lexcity.info. So the advantage of traveling 35 and a half hours back from India is that you have lots of time to watch movies and lots of time to watch last week's sermon. And as I'm traveling back, I don't even get a chance to watch last week's sermon. And my phone is already blowing up. Amanda did amazing. She's so great. And uh, so thank you, Amanda, for your work last week. And uh, what a blessing that was. And being reminded again, not too much crazy because, you know, I still got to do this every few weeks. Everybody's like, Amanda, she should talk next week. She should. She was amazing. But the reminder of this, uh, of keeping our our hearts soft and moldable. In the midst of hurt and pain is so so important, so I was so grateful for that. Pastor Craig Rochelle says it this way, Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Isn't that true? Because that's the battle, our thoughts. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. The Apostle Paul knew this and said it a little bit different, but as he's talking to the church in Corinth, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says it this way, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. He says, listen, the battle isn't in the flesh. The battle's in the spirit. It's in your mind, right? And the beauty is, as followers of Christ, we have these divine weapons that can destroy the strongholds that take captive in our heads. And you think about strongholds. Strongholds is a place the enemy what <clears throat> builds up walls, begins to fortify, begins to, to lock in and secure that land. Strongholds in our own minds, right? When hurts begin to stay there and we dwell on them and we become, to let bitterness begin to fester in our hearts and our minds, the lies that begin to define us and over a period of time we begin to think this is who we truly are. All of those are strongholds in our lives and they're places where the enemy begins to set up camp in our very thoughts. And these strongholds, if we don't deal with them, over time become bigger and stronger and more secure. It's one of the reasons we've tried to take five weeks and talk a little bit about these things, so identify some of the strongholds in our hearts and in our minds and to be able to deal with them. The problem is you know there's strongholds in your minds because it comes out in some different ways. It comes out in the private conversations that we have just with ourselves. It comes out in lack of trust or intimacy in relationships, and we just begin to keep them at bay for fear of of being hurt. Strongholds, they take place and root in your hearts and your minds, and they begin to steal your joy and your peace. And the Apostle Paul knows this, and so he identifies them in the first verses. And then the great part is in the very next verse, though, he gives us hope. He says, this is the plan to tear down the strongholds in your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, go to the next verse, verse 5. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And here's the key, and take every thought captive to obey Christ. See, the battle, the ability to win, to defeat strongholds in our life, is really it's the battle in our minds, right? Paul says to take captive every thought that we have. Who or what dominates your thoughts ultimately determines the victory. The battle, we'll see again today, right? And you know it to be true in your life. It's won and lost up here long before it's ever played out out here. Paul says, here it is. So he says, I want you to think about the things that you think about. Great therapist David Kessler simply says it this way. The thoughts you water are the thoughts you grow. Let me give that to you one more time. That's pretty profound. The thoughts that you water are the thoughts that grow. Is your hurt and your pain lingering? Is it growing over time? Then I propose to you it may be because that's what you're watering or that's what you're dwelling on or that's where your mind seems to be focused. When a negative thought comes into your head, does it one thought turn into two thoughts, and two thoughts turn into a conversation, and a conversation to turn into a defining moment? Right? That's the challenge. If we dwell on it, if we sit on it, it just grows and again begins to take root. That's why, have you ever noticed, you can be having a good day, and a good day turns into a bad day like just like this because of the thoughts and the things that you're thinking? That's why sometimes we're self-sabotaging some of our relationships because in order to protect myself from being hurt, I'm just gonna blow this thing up before you can hurt me, so I'll just hurt you and we can move on. That's why so many times we get disconnected from church because we've been hurt by a Christian and we've associated that with church, all the things that we've been talking about over these last few weeks. But Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, he says what, here's the key, take every thought captive. So here's a question for us this morning, simple question. How do we take every thought captive? Can I propose to you this morning, it's not simply this. It's not simply saying, don't think about that. But rather, it's replacing a hurt with some health, a why with some truth, a false story with a new story, the accusations of the enemy against you with the confirmation of the word of God, So to close out this series. I think the key to turning hurt into healing is replacing your thoughts. Let me give you an equation that I've shared with you before, but I think is, is so significant on this. And it simply goes this way: It says, right theology leads to right thinking, which produces right actions that creates right feelings. Let me give it to you one more time, right? Right theology leads to right thinking, which produces right actions that create right feelings. Now, when it comes to hurt, here's what I want remind you, that feelings are the last stage of the healing process. The struggle is, is that we in our culture and time, we always want to start with the feelings and assume if we can just have the right feelings, then all the other things are going to take place and come about. But can I remind you, because we've all experienced this, If you're going to wait for your feelings to get into the right place to do something right, you'll seldom do something right. If you're going to wait for your feelings to get to that point of offering forgiveness or, or extending grace, you're going to be waiting a long time because the feelings are the last part of the process. So many times, I don't know about you, when I think about that person or that situation or that event, warm fuzzies are not the emotion that comes to mind. So we had to be reminded that it it starts in the opposite. Let me give you that equation as you see it there. What I want to do today is remind you that we need to flip it in the opposite. We need to start at the opposite side of the equation if we're going to move towards healing. It doesn't start with right feelings. It starts all the way back at the top, and it's right theology. How I think about God, how I think about his word, and how God thinks about me. It's the reason in this series, Elephant Room, Hurts We Don't Talk About, why the application for us has been things like forgiveness. How do we show grace? How do we learn something from the pain that we're in? What does God want to show me about myself, and what does God want to show me about who he is from the difficulties of the situation? Why do we view it that way? It's because we have a theological framework. Let me flip it the opposite way. If you lived in the 18th century B.C., in the Mesopotamian Empire that was there, if you were under the rule of Hammurabi, He had this code, his ethical code in the 18th century that he had, and you may be familiar with it. It says, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That was his theological framework. So if this was our framework, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, can you imagine week three as we had this panel? The week three panel might have been a little bit different. We might have given you suggestions like, You know, how to trash somebody who slandered you on social media and make sure everybody knows how bad they are, right? Uh, How to kill your neighbor's favorite shrub and not get caught. Uh, How to make their cat disappear without any questions. That could be there, right? Um, Somebody could podcasting your pain in 2022, all the great things, right? How to make your ex wish that you weren't their ex and get away with it, right? How can I show everybody that I'm right, you're wrong, and everybody will know that? Why, if that was our theological framework, an eye for an eye... This series would look really different, right? I want to tell you how to vindicate your feelings. If you're feeling it, you do it. You act out. <laughs> but we don't prescribe the Hammurabi's code. We're followers of Jesus, which means we're followers of his code and his theological framework. <laughs> and that's really quite different. Jesus says, let me remind you about the theology of forgiveness and grace. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, it says, Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. You see, this kind of theology. Of pain and hurt, it takes the right kind of thinking because this kind of th- theological approach towards life can't be based upon feelings because our feelings are never gonna say those kind of things. Forgive, bear one another's burdens. It's a higher calling, Jesus says. It's a deeper life that he's called you to. It's a greater good. It's the way of Jesus. It's the kind of thing that breaks cycles. It's the kind of thinking that gives freedom, that breaks generational curses and generational change that have impact far beyond us. So right theology leads this idea of right thinking, and right thinking replaces a lie with the truth. Right thinking says I'm not looking out just for my own interest but the Bible says for the interest of others. It's a truth that doesn't need to be validated. It's a truth that doesn't need to be vindicated. It's this amazing truth that's able to rest at the feet of the cross and find comfort in who we are in Christ. I don't need to be validated. I don't need to be vindicated. I I I can just rest in these moments. A little resource that, boy, it was probably 20 years ago uh, that I came across that was so helpful for me and this idea of replacing what my feelings are of a lie with the truth of what God's word is. A little resource called the Personal Promise Pocketbook. You may have even seen this. I put a link in the notes. I think it's still available there on Amazon. But it was these moments that say, listen, I know when the battle rages here and my emotions are saying one thing, they may not be actually what the truth is and what God wants me to do. And so you've experienced this, any kind of leadership, you've felt misunderstood or or misrepresented by somebody or some situation. And in you, the emotion rises up, right? I've gotta defend myself. I've gotta make sure everybody understands I can justify this decision in the court of public opinion. And whenever that's kinda where your heart is leading, You know, it never leads to a good place. It's never a healthy place when you're trying to figure out how to justify yourself before others. So I have to take that lie of saying I have to be validated and vindicated and replace it with the truth And the truth is simply this that God is my defender, that God is my protector. And if you're a people pleaser, we need to be reminded that the opinion of God is the opinion that truly matters the most. And so when the lie creeps up and the battle begins, the truth is found for me in Psalms 18, verse 1 and 3. How I love you, Lord, here's the key you are my defender. The Lord is my protector. He is my strong fortress. My God is my protection. And with Him, I am safe. He protects me like a shield. He defends me and keeps me safe. I call to the Lord and He saves me from my enemies. Praise the Lord. And so when the negative thoughts begin to come in my head, listen, I cannot give them permission to build a fortress in my heart. The moment those things come, I've got to replace the lie with the truth. Those moments, those insecurities come, I've got to remind, it. listen, God, you are my defender. You are my protector. You are the one that my self-esteem has to come from. I've got to trust in that. That my value is not found in the approval of man, but in the approval of who you are. As a leader... And this is true in your life and your areas of influence, right? Being misunderstood and misrepresented is part of the challenge and the calling of leadership. It's what it is and what makes it hard. And so in those moments, can you be reminded of that calling? John chapter 15, verse 16 tells me this. You didn't choose me, remember? I chose you and put you in the world to bear fruit. This is what you're here to do, to bear this kind of fruit, a fruit that won't spoil as fruit bearers whatever you ask in the father in relation to me he gives you (laughs) and this kind of thinking produces right kind of actions with the ultimate point of creating the right kind of feelings but the feelings always come after the right theology right thinking right behavior and then the feelings come It begins with replacing a a lie, a hurt, a misjustice, an elephant with the truth of who God is and how God sees you. Thank you for listening to the Lex City Church podcast. If you would like to support ministries of Lex City, visit lexcity.church/give. Please subscribe and follow us on social media at Lex City Church for more encouraging teachings and content.